Hello and welcome to the Feel It to Heal It podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Kelly, and I am a clinically trained therapist, emotional wellness and life coach and healer. My mission is to help as many humans as possible feel safe to feel their feelings in order to create a life beyond their wildest dreams. Thank you for being here and let's dive in. Hello and welcome back to the Feel It to Heal It podcast. Thank you for pressing play today and for chatting with me and hanging out. I am so happy you're here. And if you are listening to this on the day it's released, which I release all my pod episodes on Friday, happy Friday. And I hope you have made it through this week seamlessly and that you are having a beautiful weekend so far. So today I want to talk about one of the hardest and most painful emotions that we as humans feel. This is, drumroll, the S word, shame. Shame is literally so fucking hard. (laughs) I'm sharing that from a place of having been sitting with a lot of it personally this week, as well as a lot of client sessions, um, you know, being surrounded by this theme of shame. So I always love how the universe times these things where as I'm moving through stuff, my clients are then moving through it so that I'm able to guide them. So I want to talk today about why shame is so painful and hard to sit with. Why are we experts at avoiding feeling shame? What behaviors show up when we're avoiding shame? So you can kind of keep an eye out for these and notice, oh, if I'm doing this behavior, maybe there's some shame that I need to tend to. And really diving into what shame is, what it means. So essentially there are five primary emotions. There's anger, sadness, joy, fear, and shame. Shame essentially means that you are feeling like you're wrong. You're feeling like you're going to be ostracized from society and you're going to be abandoned. And it feels really scary to feel this because it can feel in your body that you are just wrong as a person. And because you're wrong as a person, you're going to be left. You're going to be abandoned. You're not going to get your needs met. So we do everything to avoid feeling shame because we don't feel safe to feel shame. Shame also carries a lot of narratives attached to it. So for example, I'm wrong. I'm not good enough. I'm not special enough. I'm not as good as other people. I'm not lovable. I'm not worthy. It comes with these really deep core beliefs that we develop in childhood. When there are signals or messages that get sent to us via our parents, our friends at school, society that tell us that our feeling a certain way, our expression, you know, of authenticity in a certain way, whatever that might look like, we are getting taught that that is wrong. Oh, sorry. My grandpa's calling. I'll call him back. So we're getting taught that that's not acceptable. And so we have to repress that authentic feeling, that authentic part. And we feel shame that it wasn't accepted. So this is how shame develops. It goes back to Gabramati's concept of attachment versus authenticity. When we choose to repress those authentic parts, it's because it doesn't feel safe. And because we have to choose attachment, we have to choose whatever that primary adult in childhood is telling us, because that's what 
we learn is safety. That's how we get our needs met. So then when we're adults, we have all of these core beliefs about ourselves that develop in childhood that we have repressed so far deep inside of us that we start to get really good at avoiding. So what might this look like? If you are in a relationship or if you have a close friendship or a close um, person in your life, anyone, it could be a close friend, boss, mentor, parent, partner, whatever that close primary attachment looks like. And you start to get mad at them for stuff. Maybe you start projecting, you know, this thing from childhood. So I didn't feel chosen as a child. And so now I'm going to project that onto you of you're not choosing me. Or I didn't feel special in childhood. So I'm going to project that onto you're not making me feel special. Or, you know, I feel insecure about the fact that I had this thing that was different compared to other kids in school that made me feel different in a bad way. And so I'm projecting that onto you for making me feel different. Or let's say, you know, um, for one of my clients, it's that they didn't have one of their parents growing up. And so then they're projecting onto their partner what they wish they would have had from that parent that wasn't present. So this shows up in a number of different ways. And something I was just talking about with my client in session is that we forget that we're all human. We're all, you know, from the same source, the same higher power, the same God, universe, angels, whatever you want to say, whatever resonates for you that, you know, allowed us to be here on earth. We're all essentially cut from the same cloth, but we make things mean things about, we make shit mean stuff about us because we think it's unique to us. We think that it's just us in the whole world that's feeling it. And something I've been working on personally is being a little bit more okay with that of like, okay, what if this is just my unique journey? What if this is how things show up for me, knowing that everyone has different ways of things showing up for them, but instead of focusing on how it shows up for other people and comparing what if I were to just focus on how things show up for me and owning that that's my own unique journey without making it mean something about me. But when shame comes up and it says you're wrong and you're different in a bad way, or you're not good enough, or you're not lovable. And those core wounds get triggered in our primary attachments. We then project onto the other person and make it their fault because we can't feel safe to sit with the shame. Because if we sit with the shame it literally can feel like we're dying. It all goes back to safety. It can feel like if we feel the shame and we feel like we're wrong, it triggers those same feelings from childhood of feeling like we're going to be left behind. We're going to be abandoned. We're not going to get our needs met. And that can feel so terrifying. So the biggest part of healing shame is just like with any emotion, we want to practice building internal safety around being with it without making it mean anything about us. And that is the hardest thing in the world to do because the emotion feels so strong that it feels like it does mean something about you. But when we remember that there's literally a root to everything, there's a reason why you act a certain way. There's a reason why you feel a certain way. We can have a little bit more empathy and compassion and shifting it. Because if we understand there's a root for this, it makes sense, you know, um, that we're all human, that we're all just doing the best we can. And we're, we're all learning and growing as we go. It's going to allow a lot more spaciousness to actually hold ourselves accountable 
in shifting it. But in order to shift it, we have to be radically honest about the ways in which our shame has driven our behavior in ways that don't feel in alignment, that don't feel good for ourselves, for our partners, for our close relationships. I was reflecting with a client on a way that her shame kind of came out in a sneaky way and she projected on her partner and then you know, her partner felt upset about that. And it's like, that didn't feel kind. That didn't feel like that was, you know, relating from your highest self. And so we have to be able to look at how are we relating from little us versus our highest self. And that requires honest, radical accountability and honesty of how we are letting our inner child and our attachment wounding run the show and where we are avoiding our pain. So I'm going to give a personal example. This past week, I had a lot of shame around getting activated and triggered around something from childhood that was showing up in the present, but it made me feel so much shame that I was even getting activated about it because I'm like, oh, why am I getting activated about this? Like, I just want to feel happy for this person. I don't want to compare. I don't want to feel jealous or I don't want to judge or, you know, I don't want these protectors to come up. I don't want to control And so even though I know consciously I don't want that, I have to look at how that's actually happening because sometimes we don't want to relate in a certain way so badly that we end up bypassing the fact that we are relating that way. So for example, the more that I'm trying not to control, not to control, not to control, I'm not looking at the ways in which the control is coming up and what is the control actually protecting me from. So then sometimes I bypass the control and the control comes out anyway. So it's like trying to control the control rather than actually coming into relationship with it and looking at, well, why is this control here? What is, what is ego coming out for? Like, what is ego trying to protect me from? What is control trying to protect me from? What is this jealousy? You know, what is the root of this? Like really being able to explore it. And so, you know, I was talking to my mentor about how it's this balance of, Allowing ourselves to understand the root of things while not giving ourselves permission to behave in a way that's just not helpful and not serving us. So for me, I have a really big validation wound of like, if I feel invalidated, it feels like I'm dying. It feels like, okay, this person doesn't understand me. So they're not going to be able to get my needs. And then I'm going to be left and I'm going to be abandoned. And that comes with a lot of shame because I know that that's little me, but when little me comes out in an in a context or a present situation where I really want to be relating from adult me, it can bring out so much shame of like, oh, here we go again. My control is coming out. Little me is coming out. It can feel so shameful. And when I was feeling that shame, my little me, I realized was feeling so angry. She was feeling angry that she wasn't being saved. She was feeling angry that her needs weren't being met. And the reality is I'm the only one responsible for meeting those needs. No one else can save her except for me. But because we feel shame around the fact that she even needs those needs, right? We feel shameful that we even have needs. We call ourselves needy. We call ourselves crybabies. We call ourselves all these things that are just not kind because we feel shame around them because we've been conditioned to think that those things are wrong or those things are not safe to feel. So when I'm having shame, it's easier to project out on someone and say, I'm angry that you're not saving me, or I'm angry that you're not doing this, or I'm angry that you did this thing, 
rather than looking at my own self and saying, what is this bringing up in me? And why am I feeling so much shame around this? And most of the time it's triggering that really deep core wound. So for me, something that I uncovered in my own healing journey this week was that because I was so sick, so young with the leukemia, I was treated special because of that. Like I have memories of people coming up to me in my small town and being like, oh, you're the girl, you know, who survived the leukemia. You know, there were articles written about me in the newspaper. There were fundraisers for me. There was all this attention around it. And, you know, I remember like my best friend from childhood or her mom telling me something like, oh, Rachel's not even human. She's, you know, she survived this thing. She's amazing. You know, my mom was calling me like a witch and I was just like this magical being. And so on one hand, it was really beautiful that I was made to feel so special. But on the other hand, I was made to feel so special because of this illness where growing up, if I then got into, you know, situations where my closest people weren't making me feel special, it felt really invalidating because that was so wrapped up in my identity. Like my identity was, I was this special girl that was unique because I was the one that had leukemia and I was the one that survived leukemia and it was this magical thing and blah, blah, blah. And so you know, it's so nuanced and layered because in a way that's how I got my needs met. I got this attention around it and my work currently is showing little me that I am special just for being me, not because of leukemia, not because of suffering for, from certain things, right? Like even when my mentor and I were talking about how some of these symptoms that come up with my fear of abandonment can be borderline traits it's almost like little me is like, oh, here's another label that can make me feel different and special. And so it's again, like, how do I allow her to feel special just for being her without needing to be sick physically, mentally, emotionally, like without needing to attach onto illness, how can I allow her to just be special just for who she is? So that's a childhood wound that I'm really leaning into shifting because I don't want to have to rely on people making me feel special, to feel safe, to feel like my existence is valid. I want to feel special just because we're all special in our own ways, right? That's the reality. And so my shame around that comes up when I feel not chosen, when I feel like I'm not special. And this ties into a lot of my, you know, childhood wounds with my mom of feeling like I, with my anxious attachment with her and her anxious attachment, where I was always competing for her attention and not feeling chosen, feeling like I was always second choice to her partner because that's how she was getting her needs met, which consciously as an adult, I understand, but as a child, it just felt like I wasn't being chosen or I wasn't special enough. So <laughs> my mentor and I were laughing about that in session about how, you know, it's this like, what a, what a fucking like mind, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, a like what a, what a, what a position to be in where it's like little me feels not special enough, but then like also too special in this category. Like there's, there's like so many layers to peel back of this. Right. And so I share this to hopefully normalize some of the shame that you may be feeling and to normalize that we're all human. I had a client yesterday tell me that because I was helping her process some of her own shame. And she was like, 
you know, I like, why am I still feeling this? Why is my nervous system not at this place where I just don't get triggered? And like, you know, I told her, I said, we're all human. We all are working on like healing these same wounds and they just show up differently. And she's like, yeah, but like, but even you, and you've done all this healing work. And, and I was like, yeah, but you're putting me on a pedestal because I'm your coach. Right. And so rather than allowing that to boost my ego and be like, Oh, she thinks I'm this like perfect person. I was very real with her. And I said, listen, you're putting me on a pedestal and you're forgetting that I'm also human and that I also experience shame and being able to just share transparently with her about my own journey with shame allowed her to feel safer to be with her shame. And this is what I love about, you know, leaving the therapy world and starting this coaching business is that, you know, in the therapy world, I didn't feel fully able to self-disclose in a, a very real human way. Um, and, you know, of course it's intentional. And I think that's why the therapy world has those boundaries and those rules around it is like, you want to make sure that it's intentional, which I honor and I think is great. And I didn't feel like I could fully allow this like full human to human experience and relationship in a more intimate way of just showing like, yes, I'm human and I see you and I get how hard this is. And I'm here with you as we peel back these layers. So that's kind of my own experience with shame is noticing when I'm feeling angry, when little me is feeling resentful and coming back to, it is my job to help her feel safe. It is my job to help her feel safe. That doesn't mean that I don't need support in doing that. That's why I invest in my own healing with my own mentor every single month. It is something that I am planning to do long-term because I see so much value in it. And I don't think there's literally anything more important that I could be investing in. And that's what I'm able to help my clients with as well is let's look at the shame. Let's look at what it's saying. What are the narratives around it? And before trying to shift it or rewrite the narratives, let's actually honor the narratives that you and little you are experiencing because we are so quick to want to fix it and shift it that we're not actually honoring what is in this moment and honoring how big and scary the shame can feel for us. And, you know, allowing yourself to practice meeting your own needs while also noticing when you're needing that co-regulation. Like there are times where I can give myself all the validation in the world, but because of my deep fear of abandonment and the way that shows up for me, there are times where I've had to just put my ego aside and tell my mentor, like, Hey, I'm really feeling like I need some validation on this. And she won't validate my perceptions or, you know, the, the ways in which I'm viewing things based on my trauma, she will validate the actual emotions because all emotions are valid. It's the narratives and the, you know, stories that we have around the emotions that are not always accurate, that are being perceived incorrectly because of our trauma. And so, you know, for her to be able to validate, like, yes, I validate that the shame feels so scary for you, but I'm not going to validate the way in which that shame has led you to um, engage in controlling behaviors or um, enabling, you know, different protectors from coming up because that's just not serving me. So being able to look at these things from a place of compassion and honesty, from a place of gentleness and accountability so that we can really look at how these emotions are driving our behavior or our avoidance of the behavior 
or sorry, our avoidance of the emotion and shift the behavior around it, shift the way in which we're relating to the emotion. So when shame comes up, being with the shame, tending to little you, letting her know that, you know, she's not wrong, that she's safe, that she's perfect just as she is, that she's, you know, special enough just for who she is, that she is just as good as anyone else, that, you know, she's lovable, that she's worthy, all of these things that come up, helping her shift those while also just holding space for how it actually feels for that inner child, because it feels so scary. And that's why we don't allow ourselves to feel shame. So noticing behaviors that come up when we're avoiding shame, the number one would be projection, projecting, making someone else wrong because it feels safer than being with your own shame, holding other people accountable and having these expectations. Or for me, it was almost a sense of entitlement of like, how dare you not you know, make me feel special or make me feel chosen. It was like this sense of entitlement of like, I almost subconsciously expected, you know, my partner or my mentor or my best friend or whoever it was to make me feel this way. When in reality, I am responsible for, you know, meeting my needs for expressing my preferences on things for not expecting people to read my mind. I used to get so angry at partners for not knowing how to meet my needs. Like you don't validate me enough. You don't, you know, hear me. You don't respect my time. You don't do this. Like I would always put it on the other person and that would give my power away because it's not up to the other person. It's up to you to come home to you and to your power. And part of that power is looking at once you've attended to once you've, I just combined attuned and tended to, once you've attended, once you've tended and attuned to your own needs and taken responsibility of your part, you're going to be able to see the other person's part that much more clearly. You're going to be able to see where, you know, maybe they're projecting or they're not taking ownership of their part, but that part is out of your control. What is in your control is how you relate to that, not making it mean anything about you. So the theme of shame is we want to project onto other people, make other people wrong. We want to get angry at other people. We want to keep ourselves busy to avoid ourselves, to numb through drinking, smoking, TV, binging food, all these addictions, because we feel like if we just sit with ourselves and we feel that shame, it literally feels like we're going to die. And I have experienced this myself so deeply, and it is the most challenging and painful work I've ever done in my life. And I can promise you that when you actually allow yourself to be with that shame and feel that shame and do it with a safe nervous system who can hold you in it and see you in it and not make it mean anything about you as a person, but just know that that shame is coming from that historical place from childhood where you were made to feel like you were wrong or unlovable or not good enough. That is how we shift it. When you can feel the stored pain from childhood, but actually allow yourself to rewrite the narratives around it, right? I'm feeling shame right now, not because I'm wrong as a person, but because I engaged in behavior that's not in alignment. I feel shame right now because I'm getting triggered from something that came from childhood where I was made to feel wrong and I'm still feeling that shame. And 
I can allow myself to shift the way in which I'm relating to it and thinking about it and releasing the narratives and those core beliefs so that we can form new core beliefs. Because shame can sometimes be helpful in shifting behavior, right? If we're feeling shame for a behavior we did, we might be less likely to engage in it the next time. But if we avoid our shame, then we keep perpetuating the cycle of engaging in behaviors that are harmful to ourselves and harmful to others, and they're just not helpful. So we all do it, right? There's no shame in it. And also we have to be with the shame. And so it's a very nuanced, what can feel like a complex process and it is one that will literally shift how you relate to yourself and others in such a profound, such a just incredible way. And you are so worthy of making those shifts for yourself. So be gentle, be honest, be accountable, know that you are just human, you are just learning, and we can always validate the emotions without validating the behaviors that are just not going to serve you. This has been one of my biggest lessons in my healing journey and one that I love to, you know, teach about because it's something that we don't have a lot of safety around. We were never taught how to be with any emotions, let alone one of the toughest emotions. The more that we're able to be with it and show little us that we're not dying, the more internal safety will build around it. So I hope this allows you to think about the ways in which shame is showing up in your primary relationships with your primary attachments and looking at how that has driven some of your behavior and seeing if you can relate differently, even if it's just one baby step of, okay, I'm noticing shame come up. Can I notice where that comes up in my body? Can I put my hands over that part of my body? Can I take some deep breaths and allow myself to just feel it? Because just like with any emotion, we have to feel it to heal it. All right, my loves, that is all I have for you today. I hope you take some time to sit with your own shame. Know that you are perfectly imperfect as you are. It doesn't have to mean anything about you. And you have the power to shift how you're relating to it so that you no longer allow shame to drive your behavior and you no longer avoid it because avoiding it is just going to perpetuate it. If you are looking to deepen this work and really build the internal safety in your nervous system to be with these emotions, I have two one-on-one -on -one spots open in my insight program. This program is my highest level container. It's an option of weekly one hour Zoom calls with Monday through Friday Voxer support, which is a voice note and messaging app, or you can do bi-weekly. So we have different options. I also have um, a wait list for my group Come Home to Yourself, which is starting this summer. And then we are enrolling for our next round of Real Men Heal, our men's group healing program. So please head to the link in my bio on my Instagram or email me to reach out, to apply, to see which one of these containers might be the right fit. I would love to have you and guide you home to you. There is nothing more powerful than this healing work and you and your nervous system and your inner child and the world and your relationships will thank you for prioritizing it because it really allows you to just feel the way that you want to feel, which is just the best gift to yourself and the world. Take time to come home to yourself, breathe deeply. Shame can be a really heavy topic, so be gentle with yourself. Baby steps, 
titrate the experience, work within your window of tolerance, all of that good stuff. And I am here to support you every step of the way. You are so not alone in this and we are in this human experience together. So love you all. Sending so much love to your hearts. Remember how incredibly worthy, powerful, and amazing and beautiful you each are. Thank you for being here and I will see you on the next episode. Bye.